reflecting a little bit of uh, what I hope my, God might do through this message today, it occurred to me, I'd like to summarize it by simply saying, I would hope in the next few moments that you would experience how God can come and literally put his arms around you, <clears throat> let you know, hey, I'm with you in the struggle, I'm walking with you, I'm, I care about you. If Christmas means anything, it means God became personal. It, he, he came to tell us, I'll be there for you. Uh, I'm accessible. And after conversations with people last night following the service, it seems that in spite of recovery groups, psychiatric help, and all other kinds of counselors, we need something more. And that something more is Jesus. And I firmly believe that one of the things Jesus does in a worship service is he makes himself known, and he comes and sometimes gives us a hug. And if you need that today, I pray it'll happen. Would you pray with me? Lord, most of us need encouragement I pray that the Holy Spirit will give us that gift today as we remind ourselves of the hope that we have as Christians, of the nearness of Jesus, our Savior, and of the help that he can offer us when we feel we're out of our own strength and ability to cope. We rejoice that that's true. We pray now you'll bless our time in the next few moments for Jesus' sake. Amen. This morning we're uh, addressing those people who might have come to church and you're at the quitting point. The struggle's been too long, the, the reservoir is empty, and your gauge of hope is on empty. I found this quote for you who might be in such a situation. How many times have you looked back on your life wishing you had not quit? You quit working on a graduate degree, you quit taking lessons, you quit working out, you quit your diet, you quit working on your marriage. It's obviously infinitely easier to quit than to hang in there and to endure. It's easier to go out and to play than to practice. But the cost of quitting is high and many of us pay for it all of our lives. It seems that it would be a worthy goal for a worship service if we can prevent just one more person from quitting so we don't have to regret it the rest of our lives. This message probably would hit us in three different places. We don't need it, but we can put it in our computer because we might need it by Christmas time. Or we don't need it, but we'll meet somebody today who does and we can share it. Or we desperately need it because God brought us today at a point where we're at a crisis of decision and we're just about ready to quit. Let's see what scripture says about the quitting point. First, our text teaches that what I'm using is the phrase crashing through the quitting point is a part of every Christian's experience. And the very process of being tempted to quit but enduring gives us that quality of the soul we call character. That's a priceless treasure. Our text says we rejoice in our sufferings, which is rather uniquely Christian, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Now, as you're reacting to this subject, keep in mind there's many, many forms of quitting. Some are simply in the doldrums. Uh, you've reached an age and a stage where you've stopped having dreams. You don't come to church expecting to find anything new or to do anything new, to write any new chapters. Uh, you've quit too soon, not realizing that if God left you here, he still has something for you to do. And then others have stopped chasing goals. An elder told about her husband encouraging a man involved in a faltering startup company. And all he did was say, just hang in there. Don't quit yet. And later that man thanked her husband for what he called a kick in the pants that prevented him from quitting too soon. The company did come to life. 
And then there are those who are hurting so much right now in a personal struggle that you're tempted to take what appears to be the easy way out. To do what society tells you to do. Do what feels good. Forget tomorrow and its consequences. Forget other people and their personal feelings and their needs. Think about yourself. Chuck Swindoll describes such persons. Our emotional wounds are deep. They don't hemorrhage like the wounds of a stabbing victim, but they're just as real and they're just as painful. Maybe you came to church today stretched dangerously close to the breaking point and there's no relief on the horizon. You've moved from mild tension to advanced trauma. Be careful. You're in the danger zone emotionally. I think he's right. Now, our text offers personal help from God himself to those who, for whatever reason, find themselves at the quitting point. Because we're Christians, I want you to keep in mind, and if you're a Christian, that you made a commitment the day you decided to follow Jesus that you were going to choose as the primary goal of your life beyond business or anything else that you were going to live and walk a journey that would one day make you like Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of being a Christian, that Jesus will take up residence in us and make us like himself. Now, here's the clincher on that. Christ-like character always involves pain and trauma and sacrifice and dying to self. It can't happen any other way. Jesus was our model. If you remember, he persevered in the garden. Remember, we read how he sweat drops of blood. What was that all about? He didn't want to go to the cross. He was struggling with the possibility of quitting. But he hung in there right through the pain to the end. And then he experienced resurrection. Many of us are in situations in which we feel trapped, tired of the struggle, sometimes unable to go on, and all we can think about is escape. And it's because Jesus himself experienced those same feelings. Rather than reject us and judge us, he says this to you today. Come unto me, all you who labor and are overburdened, and I will give you rest. If you're needing something more today than all the assistance you found in recovery groups, AA, or whatever you're turning to, that extra something is Jesus. And that's what Christmas is about. It's the time God became accessible and personal. And if you can believe it, I do. It's that's when God became sort of huggable. It's when he became so personal that we can sit in a worship service and we can literally feel his presence, his touch, helping us when we can't go on ourselves. Athletics offer, I believe, a perfect metaphor of the Christian facing the temptation to quit. My daughter-in-law entered a triathlon last summer in which she swam and biked and ran for miles. And I, I admired her. I admired her perseverance as I watched her train and accept the discipline necessary to get into that kind of physical shape. It just doesn't happen. She worked for weeks. And then her willingness during the triathlon to press through and beyond the pain necessary to finish that grueling race. And that's what Christianity is. It's a contest, it's a battle, and it's always going to involve pain. And Jesus never said it would be easy. In fact, it gets tougher and tougher. And in the toughness, we Christians become more like Jesus. That's what we need to understand. Uh, you know, on a lighter note, uh, you know I'm a Niner fan. And didn't you admire the perseverance of the Niners after being decimated by inferior teams, coming back to beat Dallas and the Dolphins? Now, that took perseverance. If athletes can show perseverance in achieving their goals, 
How much more should we as followers of Jesus persevere in fighting the pressure to quit and to compromise? Maybe we're beat up like football players, bandaged, broken, and we just don't want to go on. That's when the Holy Spirit comes and says, don't quit, not yet. Christianity is a battle. It's not a bed of roses. We never preach that. As one elder pointed out, it's vital in life that we choose godly goals. And in choosing certain godly goals, that means we're not going to chase other goals. We prioritize our life. And once we've chosen our goals, like becoming a, a person who will resemble Jesus, then we hang on to those goals no matter what the cost and we let everything else fall by the wayside in terms of priority. We prioritize our life. That's perseverance. And the result of perseverance is we acquire character. And you know, our culture doesn't talk much about character, but character is what you and I are going to be forever. And whatever, we're in that process now. We're being molded, and we're either being molded into a Christ-like character forever, or we're becoming like the world. And there's not much in between. And that's why this sermon is so important, that no matter what you're going through, that's God's carving His likeness, the likeness of His Son into you. Yeah, it hurts. And yeah, you want to quit, but don't. It's going to be worth it in the long run. Secondly, we learn there's a divine help available for the believer who wants to persevere and yet also wants to quit. We read, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. And that's so good to know. The psalmist reminds us that when we confront situations that tempt us to run, to give up, to meet our own needs first, to forget about responsibility, it's at that point we meet God as a refuge and a strength. Our text says, be still and know that I am God. That means today as you sit in that pew, whatever you're coping with, be still and know that God's present when the struggle seems overwhelming, the solutions seem impossible, and you wonder how you're going to go out that door and go on. Be still and know that we don't have to keep asking, God, are you still there? Do you see what's happening to me? Do you care? Am I going to sink? Of course we're not. That's why I want you to feel those arms of Jesus, this personal thing we talk about. And if you know it, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you'd like to know. God is that personal. Or our Christianity is a myth. I've mentioned my sister's battle with cancer uh, she's endured months of chemotherapy. I, I talk to her every day, and sometimes she's so weak she can't even lift up her arms. Progress has been slow. And at times she says, right in the middle of the night, usually, I give up. And she claims right at that point, she's experienced firsthand what she has never known in her whole life, when it, what it means for God to be a refuge and strength. Because God comes to her when she's absolutely out of strength and sustains her. Refusing to quit, she's winning the battle back to health. I want you to know God as your refuge. And you know, the only way you're ever probably really going to know it is, is sort of like my sister, when you get into a situation where you need a refuge and strength. Otherwise, it'll be nonsense to you. Why would God be a refuge and strength unless you're flat on your back in some way, unable to help yourself, where you then turn and discover, yes, He is for me what I'm not for myself. It's God as our refuge and strength that helps us pass the quitting point and not quit. And if you're at that stage, that's not really so bad. 
because now you're ready to hear a preacher talk about God being available. Otherwise, you'd be, well, kind of merrily on your way. You don't need to hear that. Being in need is not a bad situation. Listen to this promise from Isaiah the prophet. I, I think it's one of the great verses of the Old Testament. Listen to me, you whom I've upheld since you were conceived and carried since your birth. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he who will sustain you. I've made you, I'll carry you, I will sustain you, and I'll rescue you. What more do we need to know? Paul the Apostle, believing that, wrote this from his experience in 2 Corinthians. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus. Therefore, we do not lose heart, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. If you're at a place where nothing but a resurrection miracle can help, that's exactly where God wants you to be, and that's exactly where he works such a miracle. I want to give a footnote. Many have already quit somewhere in your past, and those quitting points you probably view as failures and suffer guilt. I want you to understand that following Jesus is a battle and, and that implies we're going to have experience failures along the way. Remember when you learned to ride a bike? At first you were very awkward, you kept falling over. But you know, you, you persevered and in spite of your skin knees, one day you, you took the training wheels off and off you went. Knowing God as a God of forgiveness and grace enables us not to view the past failures as with guilt, but as stepping stones that prepared us today not to quit this time. We don't have to let the past paralyze us. We can crash through quitting points. We can trust God even when it appears we've lost every reason to trust Him. And so this message is so simple today. Don't give up. Don't quit. God's there for you. Hang on. Supernatural resources will come. You know, it's, it's like a runner. I remember my track days, finding that second wind when you felt your lungs were bursting and you couldn't take another step. There's the miracle of the second wind that helps you then take off and finish. Or it's like when you fell over on your bike and your knees hurt, but you just got up and tried again. Scripture says, he who began a good work in you will finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. God's not going to give up on you. Don't you give up on him. This leads us to a final truth in our text. God promises a reward to those who trust him enough to finish the race. Come behold the works of the Lord. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. The Lord of hosts is with us. People can exhibit incredible staying power for incredible lengths of time if somewhere up ahead we know things will be different that the battle will be over, that our effort and sacrifice will produce a harvest of victory, that our perseverance will be worth the price. I want you to know endurance will be worth the price. I want to encourage you to hang in there. Paul writes, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we'll reap a harvest if we don't give up. 
You know, I, I mention frequently that I work out regularly and I watch my diet. And I constantly ask myself, is this discipline worth it? Particularly at Thanksgiving dinner when you want to eat so much more and you're looking at the fat and you're looking at 10 desserts and you have to say, do I or don't I? But you know, at other times, when I find I can climb stairs without puffing too much and when I can work without fatigue and when my clothes still fit, evidence seems to mount that the discipline involved in physical fitness is producing its own reward. Difficult, yes. Worth it, absolutely. Perseverance in trusting God pays off so much infinitely more on the spiritual realm, both in this life and in the life to come. You see, a Christian is one who knows the shortness of time and the length of eternity. Character is the reason we're on this earth, to build Christ-like character. And I say again, it can't come except through pain. But I can't think of anything I would value more today in life than to know my life is beginning to resemble Jesus. Because as the years pass, achievements, possessions, anything this world offers, every year begin to fade into insignificance. One thing still stands, am I ready to be with Jesus forever. Will I be like him when I see him? Helen Keller said, character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experiences of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, vision cleared, ambition inspired, and success achieved. And she's a woman, woman who knew that, tested it, and found it faithful. So perhaps one reason God brought you to church was to simply hear these words today. Trust me. I'm your refuge and I'm your strength, a present help in time of need. So don't quit. Press through the pain. A reward is coming. May you be armed with this inner conviction as you leave here today from the Holy Spirit that the same God who loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you is here in church giving you a hug today and giving you the words of encouragement. Hang in. With my help, you're, gonna, you're not going to quit. You're going to win. Remember these words from Paul, the apostle. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, thank you for encouragement. Thank you for being so personal that you can come into our life when we're spinning out of control and calm us and reassure us we're not alone. We're so glad to know that no matter what our struggle, you, the living God, are there for us. We praise you for that in Jesus' name.